Before we get started with this week's show, just a quick announcement. Yellow Card has partnered with Away Days Football, which makes original and high-quality football-inspired clothing for the casual looking for something to wear to matches. Use the code YELLOWCARD at checkout to get 15% off your entire order at awaydaysfootball.com. And on a personal note, if you haven't tried the mystery kit yet, um, you should. You won't be disappointed. So uh, go to awaydaysfootball.com, use checkout code YELLOWCARD, and get 15% off your entire order. All right, thanks for listening. And now, here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Big bounce shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you enjoy last second goals at home to seal a victory over a team that we battered for 90 plus minutes. Uh, because that's what Saints did this weekend. Stuart Armstrong's stoppage time goal after a wonderful uh, switch from Che Adams to get another assist after coming on as a sub sealed the victory. But Saints were the dominant force throughout, even though we only managed to win 2 nothing. But it doesn't matter because it's three more points, 10 points clear of the drop zone, inching ever closer to the magic number that will keep us safe for the season. Uh, do I know what that is? No, but I'm just going to say that with some confidence because I think we're getting closer and you are getting closer to listening to the episode uh, with Christian Candler, who is on the show yet again. And he's been here before. And I hope uh, that you will enjoy uh, what he has to offer his take on the game. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about his uh, career and where that's gone. That has shifted quite a bit uh, since I first talked to him. The the first time Christian was ever on the show, it was way back uh, after the EFL cup final defeat. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of that. I won't, I won't um, waste your time with that here, but uh, that'll be there. If you want to follow Christian on Twitter, he's at Candler Nero on Twitter. He's also on Instagram at C.N.D.L.E.R. Good friend of the show, patron of the show. I'm very happy to have Christian on the show yet again, and uh, I just want to apologize. You can hear it in my voice now. It wasn't any better when we recorded, uh, so I tried, but uh, this, is, this is what happens when you, you have kids and that you get ill. So Uh, Anyway, hopefully I'll be better before the next episode. But uh, until then, let's just jump into it. If you'd like to be a patron of the show, if you'd like to have access to a private chat with me and the other members of the Patreon community, you'd like to have access to extra episodes of the show, uh, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. There are, of course, links on the show website, southhamptondelivery.com. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, please do leave a review. It does help other people. Uh, I hate to ask you for that, but uh, it is one of those things that uh, you kind of got to do if you're going to keep this thing going. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Let's do it right now. 
me, Christian Candler, 2 0 1 over Villa, three more points, Shane Long goal, Will Smallbone starting, the Irish contingent that uh, we never knew we needed. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Christian Candler. You can find him on Twitter at Candler Nero and on Instagram at c.ndler. Uh, Christian, welcome back to the show, and I'm glad that we have a win to talk about. Um, it's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's so nice to be back. It just feels like chatting with an old friend, really. Um, but I'm really excited to talk to you about a win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we were kind of discussing uh, beforehand. Uh, the, I think the first time we ever talked, it was way back uh, just after the League Cup final defeat to Manchester United. Uh, I think we talked like either two or three times to kind of make that episode work just because of where we were and what we were doing. But uh, it is yeah. nice to, to have a win to talk about, but it's also nice to reflect back on, on you know, where I guess the friendship started, which was, which was way, way that many, that many matches ago. And uh, we don't need to bring up all the details from that uh, match because, of course, uh, I think every Saints fan will remember. And if you don't, oh. uh, look it up on YouTube because I won't talk about it anymore. So sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not, I'm still not over. I'm still not over that offside call. Yeah. It's, I don't think you have to get over it. I think it's fine. Um, yeah. You wonder about VAR and everything else and, and what would have happened, but you know, it's, that is what it is. Um, but, but as we said, we do have a win to talk about today and it's very nice to to be able to, put some distance between us and them, especially I think after their manager said that he was hoping to, uh, to drag us into, into a relegation fight with them, like bring them a little bit closer and give them something, somebody to aim at, which I think we, I think, I think the distance between the two teams is very clear. Um, even though I thought uh, recently that Villa had been playing actually kind of decent football, but yesterday didn't, didn't, didn't look like it. Yeah. We played them off the park in both fixtures um, at their, at their place at Villa park. And then at St. Mary's, we just, tore them apart both times. Yeah. And so it was really nice to kind of stick it to them again um, and not be dragged into that relegation fight. And I think we can, anytime we hit a good run of form, I feel like fans say this, but I do really feel like we can kick on, especially with our next few fixtures as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Um, before we get to that, let's, let's talk a little bit about you. Cause it's been a while since you've been on the show, even though you've been on a couple of times, but things have changed from, uh, you know, we were talking uh, young, um, going to be a journalist, uh, you know, having gone, I mean, at one point you were in yeah. the U S men's national team camp talking to players and, and, you know, interviewing people and meeting kind of all of these journalists that if you follow the U S men's national team, uh, that, you know, and then even, you know, uh, man city's U S kind of correspondent for social media, uh, Ariel Castillo. I mean, you were, you were there with her as well. And, and now you're, uh, now you're not, now you're doing something completely different. <laughs> No, I am not. Um, I look back at that time in my life and I, I really loved it um, doing all those. I got to do some really cool stuff, especially with the Ensman's national team. I got to be a part of the um, MLS bid and stadium setup and everything with Nashville Soccer Club. Um, and that was just a, a really great time. But there did come a point at that um, internship with Nashville Soccer Club. And they are a great people, um, great organization. But there was a point in that internship where I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can't, I can't do this for a living. I can't, I can't work in soccer. And that was kind of a, a weird moment um, when that happened. And it kind of sent me down a very long and convoluted path. Um, but now I'm doing what I really love and I'm 
working in a neuroscience lab at MIT. So I guess it all works out. Yeah. Yeah. Going from, <laughs> um, you know, helping with social media at National Soccer uh, Club, which is uh, currently, or are they, they're not coming up to the MLS this season, right? It's next season. Oh, they are. They, they are. are. Um, yeah. And so their, their first game is going to be this Saturday coming okay. up next week. All right. All right. Um, which is really exciting. A stadium should be starting to be built um, in a few weeks. They're going to break ground on it, which is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you're originally from Alabama, right? Moved to Nashville for, right. for school, lived there, stayed there, and now you're up in Boston. And where I would guess the, uh, well, first of all, before we do that, um, I do have to say that the, the Michael Bradley uh, media oh machine did get you at one point. <laughs> um, yeah. You know. So um, I, I will admit, so like, I think there's, I definitely have some fault there. Like, especially when you're in a professional position, you have to be careful about what you say online. And as, as we're going to talk about a certain um, ex saint even said so mm -hmm. um, in the, in the past week that you should be careful with what you say online. But I don't think I said anything too crass or too rude about um, my disdain for Michael Bradley and not liking um, how, how I do not enjoy seeing him do well. Um, but then a Michael Bradley's a family member of Michael Bradley somehow saw that tweet, um, notified my boss at Nashville soccer club. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a not, not a good circumstance. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely got in a lot, a lot of trouble for that. They were, they were understanding, of course. I think they, they saw my side of it too, but yeah, it just sh comes to show you, you really should be careful about what you say online. Um, but yeah, so many stories, so many fun moments from all of those, um, from my time working with the team. And, you know, I, when I really got ingrained with Nashville Soccer Club, it was so cool to be a part of the MLS bid, even going through city council and seeing the stadium approved and meeting with um, Don Garber, who's the um, CEO and I guess president of Major League Soccer, um, about everything. Thing and getting all the behind the scenes stuff was amazing and, and eye opening. But at the same time, like you have to have a, a certain, you have to be able to think like a businessman and think in a professional way when you work for one of those teams or even work as a journalist or a reporter. And I really found out that I just wanted to be a fan rather than um, working in that, in that way. And, there'd even be times where I would be working with the marketing team at, at Nashville and I've come with an idea. I'd be like, Oh, this is super cool. We could try to engage with the community in this way or this way or this way. And I was thinking about like, Oh, this would be really cool if I was a fan and this happened to me. But then my boss would always have to come back and say like, no, we can't just as a business that doesn't make business sense to do that. And I was never able to like, wrap my head around that you have to think about things financially as well. And in the long term, how is this going to look and um, painting that big picture that way? I, I'm, I, I would not be good at thinking about things like that at all. I mean, sometimes one of the questions I ask is when you start writing about the team or about the sport or you start working in it, like, does it change the way you view it? And sometimes yeah. does it take the fun away from it? And I think for some people, it, it kind of does, me, and it just, it, it kind of removes the element where it is an escape and all of a sudden it becomes more work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I really did. I wanted to be 
I wanted to be Carl Enka is what I wanted to be. Um, but That's then, all life goal. yeah. Um, and then, but I, I, I guess I, I can call myself too much of a romantic about, about the sport and getting all the behind the scenes look at everything. Really, it did take that away. Um, and some people, you know, do love that, like Carl Anka and Ariel Castillo and all those great reporters and really great journalists. And I just, um, yeah, that, that wasn't for me, but you know, um, I had always been passionate about neuroscience and the brain and there's just so much that we don't know about the brain. And I think that really excites me. Um, and so that's how I kind of find, found my way over to neuroscience. Um, and I was able to do research at my undergrad. Um, and then that led me to go to a conference where I got to meet some really amazing um, people at Boston University. Um, his name is Steve Ramirez. And he opened his lab to me for a couple of weeks last summer. And once I spent some time there, I was like, okay, these are my people. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what I want to pursue. This is what I want to do. And so, um, but him and that lab were really helpful to me when I was applying the labs. And, um, it led me to this position now. I'm at the Bear Lab at MIT, where we're doing research on monocular, monocular deprivation disorders. So stuff like lazy eye and, um, trying to figure out how this happens in children, okay. but also how we could potentially find new therapeutic techniques for these children, um, which is really exciting. And so a lot of my projects focus on um, one thing that we've figured out about how the wiring in the brain works with the visual system is that when you inactivate one eye, um, using a toxin called PTX, it actually, the eye will wash that out, but when the eye washes it out, it, the eye will come back stronger. And so a lot of my projects focus on, okay, how does this toxin work? What's really going on in the eye and with the brain to make these signals stronger? And then once we do figure, we're obviously not playing with toxins around humans, but could we figure out the base mechanisms to then transition over to human techniques? And so um, I haven't worked with him too much yet, but we do have somebody in the lab who is an actual doctor as well, who works with human patients. And so he talks with all of us quite often about how he could take what we're finding in the lab and then translate to how he's working with these children that have, um, severe eye disorders in, in one eye and how they could be um, brought back to more um, normal eyesight, which is yeah. really cool. It's really cool stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I guess it just puts it in perspective a little bit more. And now I hope, yeah. you know, you are able to kind of sit and, and enjoy the, the team when we play well and, and, and see it for what it is when, when we don't. And then kind of, but also realize you're focusing on something that's, you know, much, much bigger than, than, than football, you know? Um, which I think yeah. is, is awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm, think, glad, I'm um, glad it's all kind of kind of worked out, and that you're you're kind of enjoying yourself. And I mean, I, I do want to ask you, you you you've moved kind of from the the U.S. South, which oh, I, yeah. I don't think of of being as a, a huge kind of soccer <laughs> hub. 
uh, or football yeah. hub and then well american football college football is a big thing um yeah but then you know nashville of course you were part of the the whole uh bid for mls and and kind of that whole thing and then now you're in boston which i i don't i'll be honest i don't know what the what the, the football or soccer culture is like there um and but but how is it living in a big city are there is it is it very clear that that uh you know soccer or football has arrived and and that there are people that go out and do things and, and kind of enjoy the matches together or how, what's, what's it been like for you? Yeah. So, um, I, I will be honest, like I haven't gotten too settled into the soccer culture here yet. Um, but like there are definitely more pockets to search for that, which I think is really cool. Like yesterday I went out to a local park just to like kick around and play soccer really for the first time since I moved up here. And it was so much easier to find a usable field. Nashville really didn't have a lot of public use parks to go play. Um, and so there's a lot of different places. There are a lot of soccer pubs. There's a big Irish contingent in Boston. And so there's a lot of Irish pubs. And so I'd be interested to see if somebody from the UK or Ireland thinks they're <laughs> legit. Um, <laughs> but you know, I do know, like, I've walked past the Manchester United and Tottenham bars um, a few times. I still need to try to get plugged in with, like, Saints fans and Southampton fans. I do know I've talked on Twitter with a couple people from New England that are also Southampton fans. And I'm sure I'm sure there's a place they all meet up um, somewhere around the city. And that'd be cool to go to um, soon. Well, the the. I, there are more and more fans that we're finding out here on the West Coast as well in some of the bigger cities, but it's um it's still the thing for us is it's seven a.m. kickoffs are difficult to find a place oh, to watch I bet the, it's... the match, you know. So you have to wait till you get yeah. a later match, which for me is kind of more disruptive for my day and stuff like that because usually yeah. I, I get everything out of the way before anybody's awake and it's nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, you you're three hours ahead of me, so so ten a.m. is the normal kickoff time, and I guess at that point it's acceptable to have a beer. Yeah, I guess it's so much. Um... I guess it is so much harder for you on the West Coast than it is for me on the East Coast now. And where I do get to sleep in a little bit more, I guess, I still like to have my coffee and just relax and watch the games in the mornings. Um, but yeah, 10, 10 a.m. is a more reasonable time, especially on like a, a Sunday where you could do almost like a Sunday brunch and yeah. and watch, get a um, get a pull out my white girl moments and get some mimosas and French toast. Um, <laughs> watch the game. Well, I guess it could be worse. I could be a, a Hawaiian fan and then it'd be 4am kickoff be the normal time. Uh, oh, man. That, which be... I'm guessing this doesn't happen because that's just terrible. But yeah. um, I mean, I, I guess if you were going to wake up at 7am at, at or 4am or whatever time yesterday, the 10am, I guess yesterday's match would not have been as bad. But when I, when I did wake up and see the lineup, I did have a couple of questions um, and I'm interested to get your, your thoughts. I mean, obviously, uh, the way they've listed it here and the way it showed up on the pitch, uh, McCarthy and goal war at right back, Stevens, Bednarak, Bertrand, um, make the back four Hoiberg and Smallbone in the middle of the park, then Armstrong, Janapo, Ings and long. I don't think there's any kind of question over who was going to start, uh, further forward, but, uh, the yeah. inclusion of Will Smallbone, I think for his premier league debut, I thought was, uh was quite bold of Ralph, but also I think he, he held himself well, but what was your kind of thoughts on, on the lineup as you, as you saw it? And were you at all surprised by, by what happened? I know some people online were quite, quite upset that, oh, we, I was shocked. that we didn't have, uh, that, that we were using uh, Ward Prowse at right back where we had Valerie on the bench. Yeah. And so I, 
like I saw all the pictures, we were all so excited that Valerie was back in the squad. And so I definitely expected him to be at right back going into the lineup. And so I saw the lineup. I was surprised, a little disappointed that Ward Prowse was playing right back. Um, I was excited and nervous at the same time for Smallbone's debut. Um, I think I even said, like, Ralph could look like an absolute genius for starting Smallbone today, or he could, or it could backfire. And so I was a little wary of that. But then, like, the more I thought about the lineup as the minutes went on and it got closer to kickoff, I was like, well, Valerie has been out for so long. He's been out of the match day squad that he might not be match fit. He might not be ready to play a full 90 minutes or start or um, James or Prowse could be just the more match fit player in the circumstance. So then it made a little bit more sense why Ward Prowse was playing right back. And then I expected Valerie to come on sometime in the second half, but then that also didn't happen. So my thoughts were, <laughs> my, my prediction there was a little off, but um yeah, I do think eventually I want Valerie to come back in the starting lineup. But after I got over my initial shock, I was excited about the lineup. Yeah. Well, I also think that um, part of it might have been that we've seen Valerie kind of be exposed in a back four in terms of defensive uh, awareness and ability. And yeah. to, to bring him back in after being out for so long and put him up against Jack Grealish, who's you know, basically That's stuck to that, to that left wing, that might have been that, – that maybe that played into Ralph's thing. and you. You tell James Ward Prowse. I mean, obviously, Ralph said we're we don't we don't just man mark people. You know, um, yeah, that's not how we work. We defend as a team. But you also realize, like, if Grealish is running down that left hand side, that Prowse Prowse is is uh, you know, I, I think he's grown up a little bit uh, over the past season or so. And there's a question on that for you later. We'll get to. But um, I oh, think his sure. ability to to play de- just just lock down defensively is has grown. And I think he did well yesterday. I, I, I think Grealish was overall very quiet. Um, I did keep him in my fantasy team because I expected him to do something, and I was I was uh, punished for that. But I, I'll take that all day long, given that that Saints got the win. Yeah, I've got um, I've got the match day program that um, George Rebeck sent me from the Cardiff game last season, and it's got Krause on the front, and it says "No more Mister Nice Guy." Yeah, and it was at the beginning of his big run of form last season where he really stepped up and kicked on. And I feel like, yeah, I guess what, what you say makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Prowse could have been the guy to be on that side for Graylish and kind of not, not be like rough with him, but like be a little tough with him, foul him if you need to, and just go into make sure you go into those tackles harder to, to stop him. And I think it was a, a really good, a really good tactical setup from Ralph to start. James Ward Prowse right back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, overall, I think we were rewarded with uh, with all the decisions that were made. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, Smallbone, I thought held himself really well in the middle of the park. I I can think of a bunch of inappropriate things to say uh, in terms of the title <laughs> of this episode, but I'll just keep it away. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, it's he. I was yeah. really impressed, and I, I thought he was calm. I thought he, I thought he partnered and complimented Hoiberg well. Um, I, and I didn't think he never looked out of place in the middle of the park uh, yesterday, which I thought was was great. Um, and it's nice to see him kind of get in. And, and I know that uh, with the Patreon episode last week, we were talking with um, the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, which is an Irish podcast that supports Aston Villa. And they, uh, you know, they were they were interested to maybe have just small bone on the bench even and see if they can get in. And then 
you know, of course we wound up playing long small bone and then Obafemi came on. So they had a quite a, quite, quite an enjoyable run out of saints, you know, hurting them, which, which maybe they didn't enjoy as much, but uh, I think they'll be happy with, uh, with, with small bone. And maybe this puts them in contention to actually get a first team call up for Ireland, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I know he's been yeah. in the under the underage setup for, for a long time. So after the, um, after the Burnley game, I feel like, that was a game where Ralph did get his tactics wrong. He got some warranted criticism for starting Vestergaard, and Vestergaard just didn't look great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this week he um, redeemed himself with the with the setup in the lineup. And so I will be interested to see if Smallbone stays in the first team um, in the weeks coming forward, if he gets more appearances. I think it's perfect for the rest of the midfield. Now he's added even more competition for those midfield spots. And hopefully it helps the other midfielders kick on an extra level since now he's competing for a first team spot too. And it'll be interesting to see that dynamic the rest of the season. Cause he looked brilliant. He looked, he looked really, really good. Um, especially the first half. Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting because that, that middle of the park is kind of, it's not crowded cause there's really only three guys that have been in there until Smallbone comes in this time, but it, It'll be interesting to see who who drops off the bench because if you look at it, there's there's an extra center back, there's a, an extra midfielder in Romeo, there's two forwards who both come on most games, you know, either Obafemi or Adams and some some form of that because neither Ings nor Long tend to play the entire the entire ninety minutes of most weeks. Um, yeah, and then Buffal was on the bench even though he was you know at least slightly injured and and so you wonder. You know, if Kyle Walker Peters comes back, does he go into right back? Does this Ward Prowse shift back to the middle? Obviously, is what we what I would hope for. Um, but then, yep. does Valerie make way for Smallbone to be on the bench, or what happens? So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that all how that all works going forward. And, and I think it'll speak a lot to to what Ralph sees in Smallbone and and the rest of the squad, and you know maybe where where he he sees people you know going you know in seasons to come based on the fact that we're almost at that that magic number. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, I don't See, know, but it, overall, the Premier League debut for Smallbone, I thought, like you said, he held himself really, really well, and I think that should be should should be good going forward. But um, let's get into the match a little bit because it it was a, at halftime just a one nil battering, um, and I don't know how we yeah. only managed to score one goal, and then you know the scoreline with, with Armstrong scoring at the end. If you were just to see the scoreline, you would go, "That's about how the game went." But really, how the goals came, I, I would say not exactly how we would have thought given all the chances that we we managed to create oh i know especially um like we got we got one nil up pretty early on in the game and i feel like everybody thought like okay hopefully the floodgates just open and we're able to ride this game pretty comfortably but then we could just not find that finishing touch and i'm i got this sense of worry kind of creeping in as the half went on where i was like oh no we're gonna have another week where we talk about how good Southampton look, um, but we can't take our chances and that's going to end up punishing us. Like it felt like the same script that's been going on the past few weeks. Um, especially I'm trying to think of some of the chances, but um, the one I can really think of is that there are a couple of times I feel like Jennifer just blasted it over the bar where he, if he had put it on target, it seemed like a certain goal. Um, but we looked we looked really, really good. We really took it to Villa, especially in the first 30 minutes before a couple of those injuries happened and kind of broke up the play. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's much more to really say in 
just that we looked really good. It was one of our best performances um, in the first half of the season. Yeah, I think uh, I just want to point out we had five attempts in the opening 10 or 12 minutes uh, to Villa zero. We were only up one nothing, and that came from, you know, the Jampo was did well to to get to oh, that ball and make there. the cross, right? Like that was a fantastic ball with the outside of the foot. Um, not something that I would even attempt uh, messing around, let alone uh, in a Premier League game. And, and Long, I think, stomachs it in. I don't really know exactly how he got He got it over the line um, of the thigh. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, a groin. Yeah. Groin goal. He, he Shane Longed it in. Um, so we'll just call it good. Um, and then, you know, like, like you said, there was just, there were a lot of chances created a lot of, some of them were blocked. Some of them were saved. I thought, uh, Raina for the most part held himself well. He's been brought in and, and it's been nice to be able to watch him just kind of, you know, be really active. He's almost like, uh, you remember when Jordan Pickford was playing for Sunderland, he was making all of these saves every week. And it's like, well, you know, he has to, because Sunderland are terrible and, yeah. And uh, Reyna is, is very active as a, as a goalkeeper for Villa because they're not great. Um, Tyrone Mings makes them look a bit better, uh, but he also has a lot of defending, do a lot of chances to show how good he is. Uh, and he did fall yeah. asleep at one point yesterday, uh, and Armstrong nearly made it oh, pay yeah. for it, but that's okay. Um, but I just, I, I was really impressed with, with the opening of, of the game. We started quickly, we had corners and set pieces and, and all kinds of chances. And, and I, I don't know exactly for me when it turned to, like a little bit of worry that it was only one nothing. You know, I think for most yeah. of the of the match, I was just really happy with how we were performing. But then it started to get to the point where, like, okay, we need to score again. Like, we need to make use of this. Is this going to, is this going to come back and haunt us? Um, yeah. And, and I don't know for you, like, when can you, can you kind of pinpoint the the, the the time when that happened for you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I was just so happy with the first really thirty minutes. We looked like a team that had something to prove after our perform or after our results the past few weeks. Um, I feel like Ralph told him like, okay, like let's show the premier league how, how good we are again. And um, I feel there, there were a couple injuries. I think it was El Ghazi who got hurt around 35 minutes. And then right after that, Jennifer, um got his head cut and that kind of broke the momentum that Southampton had. And then there were a couple minutes after that where Grealish seemed to move a little bit off the wing and into the middle of the park. And for those like two minutes, Villa tore us apart. Um, when Grealish got in the middle, um, there was that pass that he made to, um, I can't remember the Villa striker's name off the top of my head, but played it into him and they ended up scoring closer to the end of that first half. But then, of course, he, he was offside. That was a good line that the Southampton defense held. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came because Grealish moved centrally, and he caused our defense problems. And yeah. then after that chance, Grealish just went back out wide, and it never happened the rest of the game. Um, I, I felt comfortable with Grealish on the wing, but those couple minutes where he moved in the middle, that's when I really started to get a little worried. Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, that the pass that he played was very well disguised. There was an obvious pass, kind of I think out wide, uh, wider to the right, and he chose to kind of play the almost like a reverse pass. Um, and and like you said, we did hold a good line, but he he did cause us problems there. And it, you you wonder why he doesn't play yeah. there kind of more often for them. And yeah, maybe maybe it's just because you don't want him to try to win the long ball, the header, the clearance. You want him to 
you want the, the center forward to hold it up and then allow Grealish to run and cut in maybe, but yeah. it wasn't working. Like the, he didn't, he, he was kept very quiet yesterday. Um, yeah. I thought Ward Prowse did a good job as we kind of mentioned already. Uh, I thought Armstrong came back and helped out just fine. And I, honestly, I, I, there were only maybe, maybe once towards the end of the match where he kind of, the ball just fell to him and it's just like, Oh no, don't do this. Cause it was still only one, nothing at that point. I think that's the corner. Yeah. They wound up winning a corner, and that's you know, Reina came up, and then we wound up scoring from it. So uh, I guess it all yeah. it all kind of worked out. Um, I might be um, I might be getting ahead of myself, but I was baffled because we we went into halftime, and I was thinking to myself like, okay, Villa's going to make their adjustments, and they're going to move Grealish to almost like an, a number eight spot mm-hmm. where he can cause those problems here in the middle of the field. And I was I was just baffled that they didn't do that, and when they came up for the second half. And he was he was back there on the wing, um, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what they were what they were doing. They they did not show up yesterday. And we've had instances yeah. as as Saints fans where we've watched our team come out and be poor in the first half, and you think, okay, surely somebody will say something at halftime, and then the halftime happens and nothing changes. Um, and we've also yeah. had it where we played brilliantly in the first half, uh, maybe only been one nothing up, or maybe even one nil down, or 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 tied, and then. And then, you know, the opposite happens in the second half where we're just nothing. It all seems to go away. So it's it's almost it's hard to predict how things are going to go. But it uh, it didn't happen for Villa yesterday. And they really needed that game, yeah. especially they probably need some momentum going into to next week when they're going to go to the League Cup final. Um, but maybe they're looking at that. But they I, I don't think any of those players would have really said like, hey, I want to be on the pitch for that. You know, um, yeah. And, and you got to you got to view it a, a couple of different ways. And um I don't know. I, we'll, we'll get to Matt Target in a second because I, I like him still. Um, although I, I wasn't real happy yeah. with some of the challenges he put in on some of our players yesterday. But I feel like he had, especially with some of those challenges, that he almost had something to prove to those to those guys. Like if I was in that position, I'd be a little bit more not on edge, but like okay, I'm gonna show I'm gonna show that I'm here and that I'm mm-hmm. playing today. Um, but but yeah, I guess just finishing up thoughts on the first half. I am still waiting for the day where we do make all of those chances um, and, or we take all those chances and we do go up by like two goals. And that's what separates the great teams from the good teams. And I do think with Ralph in charge, we have the potential to be a a pretty great team, but um, I'll be really happy when that day comes where we do take all those chances. Like we saw in the first half today. Yeah. Yeah. I think absolutely. We, it'll make a big, big difference uh, for us as we, as we go forward, because there are some going to be some teams that are just gonna be better than Villa and will, you know, we have to be more clinical going forward, but I say that, but then, you know, the teams that create a lot of chances like Liverpool, Man City, those guys, those players, they miss a lot of chances, but it's the fact that they, they keep creating them and they they don't hang their heads when they miss them, you know? Um, and, and they just keep, they just keep pouring out and eventually you will break teams. And, we saw that it was, it was two nil. It was, it wasn't comfortable, but it's two nil and we move on and, you know, hopefully um, we do the same to West Ham. I really hope we do the same to West Ham because oh yeah, I don't like West Ham. If you think back to the Liverpool game, that's really what kind of separated. That's what kind of like split the game. Initially, we had the chances. We didn't take them. And then Liverpool get their chances and they take them. And then they just run with it. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it's something that'll have to have, to happen in the summer. Um, 
but the potential in this team is astronomical. Mm-hmm. And I think especially with players like Janepo, he, and I hate to make this comparison because it's the really easy comparison, but he does remind me a lot of Sadio Mane when Mane showed up at Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this conversation with a friend back home recently who's a Manchester United fan, and we have arguments all the time because I'd be like, oh, Sadio Mane, he's a great player. And he'd always tell me like, oh, Sadio, like he's so inconsistent, like, which was true at the time. And then, of course, Mane has been able to really harness his talent and become so ruthless. And we, Janepo and Ralph have to find a way to like harness that. And if we do, we'll really have a special talent on our hand again like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so young that he's got plenty of time to, to, to do that. And I thought that, you know, he came back from the, from the eye cut and, and was still you know, yeah, doing he, everything. He did really well today or yesterday. He did really well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, he was once again, exciting to watch. And, and he has, he had fallen off a little bit from, you know, he came in with all this excitement. Um, he scores that wonderful goal and then he kind of went missing and, and he was injured and he's been dealing with that stuff, but he's back. And, and I just thought that the, the, the performance he put in yesterday, that's, that's what we're all hoping he can continue to do. And maybe it's a lot to expect of a guy who's that young, but um really hoping he just, he just kind of keeps, keeps that going. Um, and, and I think just like looking at the, at the second half a little bit, there were, I mean, we only had 11 points at home this season. Uh, there's only one team in the top four divisions of English football that had any fewer points than that at home. Um, so we were at one nil. I think it's totally justified of us to be a little bit worried about, about actually holding on to it and getting a win. Um, never mind a clean sheet. Um, and, and I would say that from the, the second half, I think Villa for some reason decided they were going to foul us, I think quite a bit. And I don't really understand the tactic given that they need the ball to be in play in order for us, in order for them to get back into it. Right. Um, yeah. They, they wind up committing uh, just a ton of fouls and we take our sweet time kind of getting things going again. Um, they, they committed 11 fouls in the second half. And I mean, that's oh wow to, to our, I think to our five and, and you just look at it going like, why, why are you doing this when you have, you need the ball in play. You need to be able to to do this. And, and by breaking up play, it just gave us every opportunity to be super slow getting the game started, which I was a little bit worried about because I almost felt like we were taking our foot off the gas when when yeah. they were there. So maybe Villa's in a tough spot because if we if we play this open game, we're going to beat them. Um because they we we just have players I think that are better than theirs and and the kind of mentality of, of Southampton right now is is to attack and, and press and, and force mistakes and we were doing that. But at the same time, they needed the ball in play, and and Bertrand is is you know I mean we've all seen him you know point to his watch uh, at Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago like that's that he knows what he's doing, and so when he gets fouled or somebody gets fouled, he's going to pick the ball up, he's going to put it down, he's going to he's going to toss it forward, he's going to take a sweet time, he's going to put both arms in the air, um, and and it's going to go 35, 40 seconds before he he kicks the ball again, and and we we did that from the very start of the of the second half and. We had a ton of, of, of corners that we couldn't get anything from, a couple of free kicks we couldn't get anything from. And then I think for me, it was like, oh no, like we're starting to do this again. I, I yeah. mean, I have written here in the notes, like 10 minutes into the second half, it felt like an hour because there were a lot of, a lot of stoppages. There was nothing really happening from them. And it was like, well, like if this is how the game's going to go. This is, this is not the same as the first half where I was extremely excited, but 
now I'm kind of starting to get nervous, even even though Villa hadn't really done anything. Yeah, I guess from a if, if I can pretend to be Dean Smith's technical associate, um, for, from a tactical standpoint, I guess fouling Saints so much, in their mind they could look at it and be like, oh, maybe that'll help stop the momentum mm-hmm. um, that Southampton can have. Because that's kind of what, I mean, not that they want to cause injuries, but those injuries in the first half is kind of what ended up breaking our momentum as it went in closer to halftime. So I guess they they were looking for more of those tactical fouls, but of course that ended up not working really in their favor at all. But yeah, it kind of, I guess the start of the second half was a little scrappy. There weren't really many clear cut chances um, on either side. And we, we couldn't make anything happen from those corners. I feel like Tyro and Mings got his head on the ball, like literally every time we sent in a corner. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, think, I can't remember that's the beginning of the first half being in the second, but he was, I think he headed away everything that we put in the box. Yeah. And so I like James Ward Krause can send in such good deliveries and it, it's kind of a crazy stat where we haven't scored that many corner kicks or free kicks mm-hmm. or set pieces from his deliveries. Um, and so, yeah, we, we could have been up way more if we could finish some of those deliveries that James Ward sent in. And I will say there in to play devil's advocate to myself, there were a couple of chances where his delivery could have been better, especially on a couple of corners, but, sure. um, he sends in the ball so well that it feels like we should be scoring more of those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you there. And, and we, like you said, we, we have to wind up converting some of those chances if we're going to to, to do that but we, we have been okay scoring from set pieces for for i think most of the season um but you think we could have done better yesterday but tyro ming seemed to be like you said getting to everything uh and us just not quite being able to to turn balls in i mean stevens had a chance from a, a Bertrand set piece where he just went high with it um oh that, yeah that was actually a much better volley than i expected from stevens he's got a He's got some sneaky good technical ability. <laughs> like there's that of uh, that run he had like last week against Burnley. Uh-huh. Just running through the defense, and then he had pretty good technique for that volley, even if it was a little awkward, and it was pretty close to going in. Yeah, I think just the height of it was 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 rough for him. Um, and he is actually our assist leader on the team, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So he's got three assists, <laughs> which is not a ton, um, but two of those have been to Danny Ings which I think has, has been great. Um, I wrote in the newsletter last week that, that he has the most assists for Danny Ings of any player on the team, which I found to be uh, quite, quite, quite something given he plays center back. Um, but yeah, he's, he's made those runs. He's, he's gotten, uh, I mean, he's he shifted out wide and played right back at one point and put a couple of decent crosses in. So he's, he is, uh, I, I don't think we ever doubted his ability on the ball. I think it was more the other stuff. It was the physical, the physical stuff. And he seems to have kind of sorted that out a little bit. And, I actually wrote in the notes yeah. yesterday, like I was, re- I was impressed with him uh, as I have been for most weeks. Last week, we talked about how Vestergaard didn't really get the job done. We saw Benrack yeah. back in, which I think is our preferred partnership at this point. But I thought Benrack looked a little suspect yesterday. There were a couple of times he was wrong side of, of Trezeguet. Uh, he was pulling him back. He went down really easily when that, that hand came up. And yeah. I, don't know, I just thought that he could have done, uh, uh, he didn't quite look as comfortable as I would have hoped he would have. Um, but no, nothing came from it. So I guess we're okay. But, uh, I, I, yeah. just, I, I hope he didn't look as confident maybe. And I don't know if that's because he was removed, uh, last week or if that's why he was removed last week or, or what it was, but 
Um, you know, I think Ralph made the, the right decision by putting him back in because Vestergaard, um, better on the ball or not, did not look great last week. And, and I don't think many fans were, were happy to see him in, in the lineup last week. So I feel like if you told, if you went back to the past about a year and a half ago and you told Saints fans that, yeah, when this new manager comes in, um, Jack Stevens and Jan Bednarek are going to be the preferred center back partnership. And they're going to be really good, actually, for the most part. I think you would have been laughed at. Um, a, a lot of people wanted Stevens sold last year or in the past couple of seasons saying he wasn't good enough. And the jury was still out on Bednarek, but they've really kicked on, especially this season. And um, proved a lot of people, including myself, wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's been really great to see their improvement this season um, and become that preferred center back partnership. And even though Bednarik didn't have his, I want to say he didn't have his greatest game of all time. Like he's still a good defender yeah. and he still had a pretty decent game. And that just shows the standards that we hold him to now um, that even he did, even if he did have those little slips, it just shows how much we expect of him and how good he has been. Yeah. Um, over the past few months. Yeah. Um, I, I did have another note in here that um, Trezeguet was offside several times. I thought a couple of times he was actually yeah. onside and that the linesman just hated him for some reason. Because um, <laughs> you've seen for so much now, they kind of let they it were, go usually. And then the, the VAR, will, VAR will fix it unless it's obvious. And I thought one time he was, was pretty clearly offside, but a couple of times it was pretty tight. And uh, the linesman put his flag up immediately. Referee blows w- the whistle immediately. Um, and it, it kind of stops it, so it saves us. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, whatever Trezeguet did to him, he should, he should find out. Um, but Saints managed to keep just their second clean sheet in 19 attempts at home, uh, I think is the stat, which is, is mind-boggling. But it, St. Mary's is definitely not a fortress, and, and Ralph's talked about wanting to make it one and make it more difficult for teams to play there. Um, and I think when the team is creating chance after chance after chance, it's easier for the fans to get behind them. Um, and, and I guess this might be the best place of any to talk about, uh, go back to our conversation earlier about, about what it's safe to say online and what's not and what you should, how you should treat people. Um, but, but Charlie Austin says we only, only cheer when we score. Uh, you only get behind the scene when you score, you only sing when you score. But I think we were singing a lot yesterday, at least from what I could hear via the television. And, um, yeah. I don't, I don't think NBC is, is piping in crowd noise for us to hear at home. I think that was just, uh, St. Mary's. Um, getting behind the team because maybe it's because we were creating chances, but I think um, I think Charlie Austin should just shut up, honestly. Yeah, he he had it coming to him. It was crazy. My theory is that um, he had had a little bit of maybe just a little bit of alcohol to drink that mm-hmm. night, um, and so he, he he goes and he's like, "Yeah, be careful about what you say online." And then less than an hour later, he's swearing at Saints fans. Absolutely, um, and like just going after them. And it, it, that, that was kind of a silly, silly little um, time and he got in trouble for it. But, but yeah, St. Mary's was awesome. St. Mary's has been really good this season, at least in my opinion. Um, even you look back at the nine nil defeat at against Leicester, the St. Mary's fans were singing at the very end of the game. And so I don't know what he, what, why he thought that because um, he's obviously incorrect. Um, and the St. Mary's fans, especially yesterday, were great. Um, and keeping that clean sheet just felt, it felt oh so good. We really needed that at home. Um, it felt like everything really 
clicked. It was everything we were looking for at the end of the day with the 2-0 win. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's absolutely nothing we can really complain about. Uh, no. It was a really great all-around team performance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I did want to say that uh, overall, like we said, fantastic day. Um, and for some people, I mean, my my first trip to see Saints play was against West Ham, and it was not a good day. Um, but Colt Baker, uh, somebody who is a, a U.S.-based Saints fan, made the trip over uh, and happened to be at St. Mary's uh, to to experience yesterday. And so good for him to be able to oh, wow. see the two nil win. Um, hopefully he, he had a good time. It looks, um, as he did, he left the comment on, uh, on one of the posts from that we made on social media. So, uh, thanks Colt for, for getting in touch. And, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip. If you're still there while you, when you hear this, and if you are listening to this while you're on vacation, you should stop and go enjoy your vacation. Um, there are better things to do than listen to this. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't know. I like going in the last five minutes of the match. I, I didn't really feel threatened by Villa at all. Um, but I was also still a little bit nervous. Uh, obviously we pulled it out and I think we have to talk about, uh, you know, Armstrong, uh, getting the goal, but more importantly, I think Adams with the, what the a assist, pass. you know, um, it would be really easy at that point just to kick it up the line or bounce it off the guy out of bounds or just, you know, try to try to dribble it yourself and lose possession. Um, but he, I mean, what I, I just, it was a great ball cause it just held up perfectly and, uh, still a lot for Armstrong to do. He passed it in the net. The ball was kind of curving. I was really worried it was just going to like, you know, curve and just hit the post and go out of bounds or something. I was going to be really, really upset, but, uh, glad for Armstrong to get the goal. But, um, anyway, for, for you, well done from, from, from Adams, right. And then no goal for him, yeah. even though he did have a, a pretty good chance, but. Uh, great pass. Yeah, I th- we're all looking for Che to get that first goal because I think all the Saints fans can see how well he's doing for the team when he comes in. Um, he's had a couple of really good passes or set up for goals or or just been involved in a lot of really positive play when he's come in. He's just been so unlucky to not score yet. But that pass was was awesome. It was great awareness. It was the perfect weight on the ball to like have it stop and not go out of bounds when he angled it like that. Um, it was like, it looked like prime, like prime Shavi <laughs> yeah. when, when he's, when he's booting it across the field like that. And it was just great for Armstrong to run in on it. But um, I also agree with you in that I never felt too threatened by Villa as the game went on towards the end. And especially as I got closer to stoppage time, I, kind of had this, um, I was already kind of resigned to the fact that like, okay, great. Like we're going to hold out for a clean sheet and that's going to feel really nice. And then the, that goal was just cherry on top. And it was, it was so much fun to see Armstrong celebrating with the fans after that goal. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was a good feeling. Cause at that point, you know, it's over like the yeah. stoppage time's over. Um, I didn't realize he got a yellow card for what he did. I don't, I don't remember that, but I don't care either. Um, so, yeah. so, so good for him. Overall, though, I think the, some of the some of the positives we can take away. Um, we got a clean sheet at home. That's fantastic. It does it's do wonders Yay. for for the the fans and for the the defense and, and everything else. Um, Ings it was his hundredth uh, Premier League appearance overall. So nice to see him out there. He didn't score, but um, still played well. Um, I think he actually had a, a block and a clearance from Grealish down uh, from a set piece. Uh, at one point, which I, I thought, you know, him back doing defending inside the area, 
instead of getting out of the way of a, of an incoming corner is good. Um, yeah. Maybe Greeley shouldn't watch the game last week. He should have just shot it at the near post, but he, oh well. Um, Smallbone well on his debut, I think. And then uh, Ramey was the 150th, uh, I think, Premier League appearance for Saints. So uh, nice to see him in there, even if it was only uh, a cameo, just to, to kind of shirt up at the end. But I mean, for you, what else uh, have we kind of covered the the main points and, and kind of the things that stood out to you? And or do we need to to point out anything else? Yeah, uh, I I know it's been said before, but I want to give the board a lot of credit for not firing Ralph early on into the season. Yeah, um, I, I was kind of thinking pretty early on in the season. I was like, oh my gosh, like Southampton just aren't exciting to watch, and it was very scary. And now, like, I get so excited for the weekends. I'm like, I can't wait to watch Southampton play this weekend. Um, I can't wait to see how they do. And I can't wait to see where this team goes. There are so many exciting pieces that are all kind of working together. Danny Ings still looks good, even if he's not scoring as prolifically as he did. And, like, will he get back to that run of form? Can he end up scoring even more goals? Could he potentially be in that golden boot argument. Um, and then you think about all the other players that look amazing. Benderick and Stevens do look great. Wherever James Ward Prowse plays is he puts in a really solid performance. McCarthy looks good in goal. Um, trying to think of everybody else, even the exciting players like Jennifer and Buffal can come in and make a little bit of magic happen. Mm-hmm. And even more of the youth like Obafemi still has a lot of potential to to grow. Um, and then when Shea Adams does get that first goal, that'll be a really great moment. And we have so much to look forward to as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting close to that magic 36 number where contracts can really start being talked about. Because yeah. I know Ralph has, has said that they wanted to wait until that they hit that number of points before contracts were negotiated. And so when we do hit that number... What are we going to see? Are we going to see Hoiberg's new contract? Are we going to see new contracts for Ralph himself or other players? And there's just a lot to be excited about right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I and I think the it, we will get more and more clarity as to what the direction of the team will be from here on out. You know, um, yeah. Once we hit that point, because we'll see if Hoiberg does choose to sign a new contract. You know, that will that that's our captain right now. You know, and that he means a lot to the team. Uh, in terms of, of of what he gives on the pitch, um, even though I think sometimes it's not he's not the most exciting player, but he's uh, if you look at his heat map, he is all over the pitch. Uh, he's getting touches. He's he's making tackles. He's doing all of these things that you want your your captain to do, and um, I, I think that'll be important going forward. And and we've already done some things in the January window, which I think will free us up uh, over the summer. Um, we still have guys on loan. You know, <laughs> Guido Crujo is still ours. Um, so we have to we have things we have to do. Um, uh, I have a note here to make sure I, I mentioned him at some point because I forget about him easily. Uh, and we have a number yep. of other guys out on loan, so we have to. We have to Wesley Hoot is still on our payroll, isn't yeah. he as well? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot we can get rid of this summer that can be hopefully reinvested. Yeah, um, it'll be if teams want them. Well, I mean, I mean, football player prices are inflated like the California housing market right now, and it's uh, there's a it's you don't get a lot for your money, and so. Yeah, people are going to have to pay, and for some reason, sometimes I think Saints don't get a lot for their money, and then wind up putting themselves in positions where they just have to give people away. Um, so maybe, maybe we're approaching that that thing, but I, I don't know. We'll see. 
Um, we have a couple of questions. Uh, I'd like to get to some of them. Yeah. Justin Woodward sends in a question. He's one of the patrons of the show. And patrons get priority for having their questions answered on the show each and every week, as well as having access to uh, a private chat with uh, me and the rest of the patrons, uh, which we use uh, via Discord. And then uh, they also get a, an extra podcast episode per month and then some other things that I throw in there that I don't know if people like or not. But um, you guys seem to be very supportive. So thank you, because you are one of the patrons, Christian. So so thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, Justin says, it seems to me that the team took every opportunity to slow the game down today. Uh, what was the purpose of this? And I think we talked about it a little bit earlier. And at least for me, it felt like like when we were being fouled, we were not going to rush into things. Uh, we were not going to, you know, just quickly take free kicks and things like that. Maybe because Villa were sitting sort of deep already. And so they had they had men by yeah. the ball, so they were kind of countering against that. But at the same time, we were up one nothing and creating all of those chances. I don't think there's any real reason to to kind of push the pace. Um, but what what would you what did you make of yeah. it? Um, I feel like I, I do agree with you. There could be a couple of tactical reasons like, oh, if the slower we keep it, the less players like Jack Grealish can get on the ball. Because um, then that just means we're keeping the ball away from them having the ball and being able to create those chances, especially after we did go 1-0 up. Um, another thing that could kind of go into it, even though we just did get off an international break, all those times that we can slow the ball down, it's very small ways. We're just kind of keeping the team fit for the whole season. Mm -hmm. The team doesn't have to go at this heavy metal, super high pace like we do for some games. And if we can slow the ball down, I think that's okay. Especially in games like we had yesterday where we were given the opportunity to slow the ball down, especially when we were winning. And so as a player or as a coach, when you're setting the team up, if the other team's giving you the opportunity to slow the ball down when you have the lead, I think that's, you can look at it and be like, okay, great. Like we're just going to go at our own pace then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, another question here. Uh, this one's for you, I think, uh, from Lucy Heinet. Um, and Lucy doesn't ask very many questions. Uh, Lucy has probably been on the show more times than she's asked questions. Um, and she's having a little bit of fun with you here, I think. And, and I, I am, very much willing, or I very much cannot wait to uh, to hear your answer to this. So, as a long-established James Ward Prowse fanboy, uh, how much satisfaction do you take watching him finally establish himself as a key member of the team? And just for people who don't know, uh, way back when you were doing all of the writing and when you were first on the show, your profile picture um, was James Ward Prowse. I don't remember your Twitter handle at that point. Um, do you? It was remember? not a Ward Prowse. It was not a Ward Prowse handle. I was just like American Saint. Okay, um, was my Twitter handle. But it, it was a great profile picture. Um, I can't remember who actually put it together for me, but it was very artistic. But yeah, I had James Ward Prowse's face on it. And so first, I do want to say thank you to Lucy for asking this question. Thank you. Um, but there were, uh, there were a couple of really bad years there where he wasn't performing up to standard or the potential that we thought he was going to live up to. And I was like, oh, no, I put all my faith and all my resources into this player who's not going to fulfill his potential but then it's been so much fun to see his maturity and growth ever since ralph came in mm -hmm. and i had even said this online a few times where i even recognized that james ward prowse lacked a little bit of that intensity when he was on the ball and he did seem scared and i feel like we all saw that a few years ago and then ralph came in and had that famous conversation one-on-one -on -one sit down with 
games were pros where it's like, okay, you've got to get tougher. And then he did, and it's helped his game tremendously. And just watching him grow into this really solid player, and he's played, has he still played literally every minute of the season? Well, uh, he would have had that injury not happened. That's right, that's right, yeah. You know, that, so, but I mean, he didn't miss a match though. He he had to exit that game because his bone was showing. Uh, but yeah. then he was back. You know, we had the the winter break, which he was able to basically rest and recover from, and and has been back and playing. And I think we saw him last year kind of push further forward, which didn't really suit him. And I we like you said, we didn't always think he was strong enough to play in the middle of the park. Um, and I don't think anybody is gonna is gonna say that. And now having watched him yesterday against Grealish and and play right back in some some other pretty critical situations he he's he's established himself he has to be yeah if if not the first name on the team he's got to be one of the guys that he knows week in week out he's going to be there and he's not he's not taking that for granted he's putting in the work he's putting in performances um and and you know people have talked about his work ethic uh i think carl has written about it uh for for the athletics several times and and it's just that that kind of grinding nature that he has um, makes it makes him. Uh, it, I think even for people who didn't like him initially, who thought that he was kind of just one of those guys who wasn't going to make it all the way, I think he he's now one of those guys that that is you know maybe hopefully there for for the long haul. And and uh, I you know we mentioned I want to keep Hoiberg around. I'd like to keep him around as well. It's been so it's so satisfying to see him live up to these standards finally and become such a solid part of the, of the team. It, it makes me so happy to see him finally just playing so well. And hopefully it, it'll lead to an England call up soon, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see if that happens. I don't know if he's, that might be getting a little too far ahead of myself. <laughs> well, I, I just think that, you know, there might be players that have just established that are going to get in, even though that's not the way it's supposed to work. And, um, yeah, you know, it was stated that that wouldn't be how it is, but he's having the season that he's having and he's not kind of even being mentioned. And, you know, Danny Ings as well. It, yeah. You know, if Danny Ings doesn't get in, uh, I think I, uh, if he doesn't get into the England setup, the, at least for a qualifier or for a friendly or something, if he just doesn't get a look in, then there's something wrong. Maybe, nuts. you know, I don't know what it is. So, so we'll, we'll have to, to wait and see kind of, Kind of how that is, and we'll uh, it'll give us something to be angry about, which I think Southampton fans and football fans in general just enjoy. So I don't know. I think that's how it goes. So we do have one more question here uh, from Al Capone one five six. There's actually two, so we can take our pick of the two. I mean, Pepperina made seven saves yesterday. We had twenty eight shots, so that means a lot of them are just kind of not hitting the target uh, or were blocked. But I think a lot of them just didn't hit the target. Yeah, is it bad finishing from us, or is it was it good goalkeeping from him? And what what was your was your, I would say that you know, we mentioned Janapo leaning back and 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 sending the ball into the stands a couple of times. I would say that's bad finishing. But uh, yeah, I also think Randa did well on a couple of shots that uh, he held on to some things and instead of uh, just kind of parrying them or, or letting them back into the danger area. Yeah, I'm reminded of a game a long time ago now where, um, ironically enough, it was Villa, but they lost eight nothing to, I think it was Chelsea, but Brad Guzan in goal was man of the match for Villa. Yeah. Because um, he still made so many saves and Chelsea just created so much. But um, Pepe Reina did have a very solid 
game and we could have had more if he didn't make some of those saves but then I do think a lot of it does have to come down to those finishing chances because a lot of the best chances we did get we didn't put on target right and that's solely down to the to the strikers and so yeah we do need to find a little bit more of that cutting edge and to to put these games away earlier it could have been four nothing inside the first 20 minutes if we had taken our chances um, and I feel like we've got to get a little bit more of a cutting edge because Danny Ings isn't going to score every week like we saw this past weekend. And even though we did get two goals, like there might be a week soon enough where Danny Ings does score a goal. And then we do find that cutting edge and we're able to score three or four goals. And so, yeah, I feel like most of it was just lacking that cutting edge, especially when we did get into the box. Yeah, well, I think I think we missed six shots inside the box. Like we that just missed the target, and yeah, that that's poor finishing. Uh, I'm also really wondering. Some, go ahead. I said I'm really wondering what about what about it keeps us from finishing those chances? Is it just purely a mental thing when we get into the box for these players, or like it's got to be right? And so I, I I know when Ralph came in, he had to completely change the mentality of the team because it was so negative and so bereft of confidence at that point. And so maybe it's just those final tweaks to the mentality that Ralph's got to make to the squad to have that cutting edge. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and hopefully, you know, moving forward, we can, we can rectify that. And, you know, luckily we weren't punished for it, but at the same time we did have an XG of over three. Um, so we just about got there one goal short, but yeah. I think we'll, We'll take it. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Saints now 12th in the table, I believe, uh, on 34 points. So we're getting uh, ever closer to that number where we can start doing some things. We're tied with Arsenal. Yeah, the very best Arsenal right from Josh. You can enjoy that. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to next week because uh, West Ham, I would like to put them further into the relegation zone, if at all possible. Um, yeah, they've got some talent. They do. West Ham does have some talent, but I do think we can put them away, especially with the form that they're on. They're so lost on confidence. And uh, I, I whisper this quietly, David Moyes is not a good coach. <laughs> and so um, hopefully we can put them away early if we get chances like we did early on yesterday. I hope uh, David Moyes doesn't have family at a rival uh, <laughs> uh, you know, brain lab to uh, come and cause you issues with that. But I don't think... Um, I don't think they could defend you even if they did, uh, they were there. So anyway, um, well, do you have anything else to add, man? I think we've, I think we've covered, uh, most of it. Thanks again, everybody who sent in questions, you know, makes the show a lot more fun when we have those to look at. Uh, it makes the show a lot more fun when we have a win to talk about, which we obviously did. And, uh, you know, it feels like things are going, are going well, you know? So, um, I don't know that, that I think that does it for me, but if you have anything else you'd like to add, feel free to feel free to say it. Uh, before we go, I do want to ask on, you've got the intro, before every podcast and there's a little clip that's in a foreign language and i just wanted to ask have you ever figured out what language that is or what that clip is is about because i listen to it every week and try to figure out what language it is in my head and i have no clue and so i just wanted to ask on air um what you think it is <laughs> so i wasn't so yes i did not figure it out um but uh, the Moscow Mush, one of the guys from the In That Number podcast, did kind of fill me in because it's in Russian. 
um, I oh. think he lives in Russia. If you, if you didn't know that, and he does deals with languages, so this is, he was the perfect guy to to have it. And I always thought it was a penalty, and it wasn't a penalty. It's uh, it's Charlie Austin, and and it basically it's oh. just like the ball falls to Charlie Austin and he scores. <laughs> like that's it. Is it the is it the old Trafford goal? I don't know. Um, I've never figured out what match it's from. Um, I. I don't know how I want. I, I spent a lot of time finding clips of things. I was trying to get things in foreign languages and, and things like that. And I, I managed to find that. And it was, a, I think it was at a compilation of goals that were not even just Charlie Austin goals. And I mean, I just said, this is good. I took it. I used it. It's 100% illegal, um, but and I have it. And um, I think mostly it just reminds me, I need to get that off of there because he's no longer on the team and he's not really well liked by a lot of the fans that were here. And I should probably do something with it, but it's, I'll be honest. I feel it's like a, it's an it's iconic, a, it's a it's lot an of work iconic to do little too. noise, noise bit. I think you should keep it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. I, mean, I, I thought about over the <laughs> summer, um, you know, maybe changing it up, but when I start looking for, I think at one point I even asked a couple of people, you know, send me some clips of your favorite goals and I'll try to do it. And I just never, I just never made it, made it happen. Uh, I did manage to get the manager's quotes out of there as soon as they get, uh, cut because you know when Hughes was there when Pellegrino was there uh, I didn't need those guys to stake around any longer and so um, I still have Ralph in there um, either we win or we learn and uh, maybe I should I should have a different one for the for when we win uh, you know but I think he said uh, either we win or we learn and today we learned and so uh, but I think we do learn even when we win that there are things we can do better yeah um, there are people who can do things I think Smallbone surprised us all a little bit uh, with the performance he he put in, so I think we can learn even if we lose. But uh, but yeah, maybe I'll uh, I don't know. I'll I'll have to figure out exactly how I want to approach that. But yeah, that's it. It's basically and Austin has it and any scores, and that that is what it is. Um, I believe it's in Russian. And Kevin, if I've uh, if I mess that up, let me know. Um, leave it below the show here, and we'll fix it. I guess. Yeah, I'm glad I got that sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I don't know what's gonna. Uh, yeah. So. I'm, I'm glad. Thanks for asking. And uh, most of all, thanks for being on the show. And thanks for, for being just, uh, you know, uh, you've been a part of the show for a long time. You've been a huge support. I run a lot of things by you. You get a lot of direct messages from me asking to look over things. And I really appreciate that um, aspect of, of, of what you do because it, it serves as a slightly, I'm much more comfortable putting things out once you've said, yeah, that's fine or change this or tweak that or whatever. So I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate your time here. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, of course. I'm always so excited, so happy to come on. Um, and I, yeah, I guess I'm um, honored that you think of me as a, as a good person to run those things by. Um, yeah. I'm always, always happy to help out. And um, I hope you have a great rest of your day, too. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Have a great day, Matt. That does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that you like deep, raspy voices. I'm kind of sick. It's just what you're going to get this week. So we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much to Christian Candler for coming on the show yet again. Uh, there were no cicadas this time. Uh, there were no interruptions. It was just me and you. It was nice. Uh, we didn't lose a cup final uh, to a heartbreaking, a poor decision. Uh, there were a lot of things to be thankful for. Uh, but most of all, I'm thankful just for the opportunity to get to speak with you and uh, become much better friends with you over the course of the last three plus years. So uh, thank you to that. If you want to follow Christian, you can do that. He's at Candler Nero on Twitter and at C.NDLER on Instagram. You can do that very easily. 
you'd like to follow this show, we're on social media at SFC, D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. You get all that more on the show website, southhamptondelivery.com. There are links to all of those things in the show notes. Go visit, check it out, see what's there, catch up, sign up for the newsletter, all that stuff. And uh, thank you in advance for doing that. Partner for the show is the Southampton page. You can find them on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. If you were following them on Instagram before they lost their account. Um, so you got to refollow them. Southampton page one links in the show notes. Go do that. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. So special thanks to Matt for always being there, uh, always backing me up and uh, also being there for me to run things by. I really do appreciate that. Music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Box Hat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. We will, of course, be back next week after West Ham. Hopefully, we have another win to talk about, but very much looking forward to that episode. If you'd like more of the show, you can become a patron. By doing that, you'll have access to a private chat where we talk about saints and a bunch of other things with all of the other patrons of the show. And you'll be eligible to listen to extra episodes of the show that are available only to the $5 a month patrons. If you're enjoying the show and don't want to become a patron, that is totally fine. I just appreciate you listening. Uh, but please do leave a review for the show on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps spread the show to new people. So that's enough for this week. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. And until then, remember that together, we march on.